Hello again. Um, yeah, before I do the Bible reading, this is, um, I need to work this one out. Um, when we were doing um, intercessions, I, had a, I did my sticker, it wasn't big enough, but um, the, I've got a UK on there, and I couldn't quite fit Ukraine, but I think it works for UK and Ukraine. Um, and it's against this backdrop of like quite a few years of us sort of being a bit confused and struggling and coming out of COVID and you think you're coming out and then all of a sudden there's something else and something else. And in the last couple of weeks, I'm not wanting to depress anyone, um, but two faithful people who belong to this church have died and other people have got injured and other people in hospital and other people are depressed and it seems to go on and on and on. And in the midst of it, Tom uh, quoted a scripture to remind us, Putin or not, um, that Jesus is Lord. And it's in, that, it's in that context that we need to pay attention to our hearts and our hearts' desires. It's really, really important what captivates your heart and what captivates mine. The reading uh, for today, 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 7, that's the one that I've got. Um, this is good and pleases our God and Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed, this is Paul speaking, as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. I'd just like to pray briefly before I talk. Lord, we just thank you um, for your word. And we ask, Lord, that it would um, speak to us this evening in transforming ways, in inspiring ways, uh, in life-giving ways. And Lord, we dare at the start of um, this sermon to trust our hearts to you. Amen. Um, I'm looking out. And I don't know, I, we've had four of our children go through university, but it's quite a struggle to get them there. Um, and in order to get them there, you think, will they get through the next door? It's not, university's not a thing. You don't have to go to university. We're not sort of saying anything about that. But it is quite a thing. Every step of the way, we thought they wanted to go. And then you get to this point um, when... Um, they may or may not pass their exams, but before we even know, they have to per fill in a personal statement. Has anyone come across this before? It's 4,000 characters, apparently, about why you want to do a particular course uh, with, uh, on a particular subject. Is that about 500 words? Anyone, does anyone know what I'm talking about here? We were schooled as parents, it should be the children, we were schooled as parents in how these four, well, 500 words, 4,000 characters were supposed to be framed. And we were told, if you want your children to get into a good university, these had better be good, and the person that's going to be looking at them wants to know that you're a little bit interested about doing the course that they're on offer. 
And in fact, so they didn't use this language, but what is the heart's desire of the student to do physics or maths or geography? And, um, and I suppose they had a little bin like Martiana, and there was lots of boom, boom, boom going on if it wasn't filled in in the right way. Unless, of course, uh, you were in a rubbish setting and a rubbish university, and they don't give us stuff, they just want your money. Anyway, that's another story. We're in a um, season now where if you're applying um, maybe for a job, maybe for a university, and maybe, maybe even wanting to come on team at Holy Trinity Claygate, we're actually really interested in your heart's desire. And actually, when things get a little bit tough, it's a bit of a giveaway if someone's heart is in it or not. Has anyone heard of the, the big quit that's going on at the moment? Maybe I'm the only one that reads rubbish. You've heard about it. But it started in the States as a contagion around it. People did COVID. And all of a sudden, they woke up to the fact that their jobs were rubbish. Uh, there were no career prospects. And quite a lot of people decided now was the time to reassess their life. Sometimes for good reasons, their hearts weren't in it. And loads and loads of people are quitting their jobs. Watch out. You're going to see a lot more of that in the UK in the weeks and the months ahead. The big quit. The church is not immune from it either. Um, um, lots of churches closed down for a while, people coming back. And in some churches, and I think we're, this is not a pride thing, but I'm very grateful, we're sort of doing okay. Um, most of the roles are getting filled but in some churches, they're not. And people have probably been doing jobs for years and years and years, and their hearts have not been in it. I come across this over the years quite a lot, with um, sometimes with children's workers that have sort of made up the numbers, and they've done it for a few years. And actually, some of these people are not coming back because they're burned out, the big quit affecting the church too. I was reading a statistic and the Barna Group, it's in the States, it doesn't apply to the UK, but they say that 38% of US pastors have thought about quitting full-time ministry last year. Scary thought. We're supposed to be the ones that have got it all together. We've got it all sorted. And um, how could we dream of bailing on the church? Incidentally, I don't feel like that. In some denominations in the States, um, it's higher. Scary thought. So if the ones that stand up here in front of you, uh, for whatever reason, probably burnt out, unrealistic expectations, are thinking of quitting, what message is that saying to the rest of the church? I think it's worth working out what our 4,000 characters are in relation to why uh, we're called out of our heart's desire to give our lives to follow the living God. What would your 500 words be? What would your 4,000 characters be? 
And if they're slightly off beam, maybe this evening's an opportunity for you to realign your life uh, with the living God. It's a powerful thing for a person, a place, or a cause to capture, to captivate someone's heart and mind. Um, You can't make someone love you or you love them. It's a gift. You can't make God love us. Uh, He chooses to do so and is longing for us to respond to him in a loving way and align ourselves with his purposes for our lives. Um, This is going to date me slightly, but some years ago I went to a church that used to sing very simple um, choruses, but with a passion. Anyone know this? You don't have to admit to it. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Let me be to you a sacrifice. And when we talk about sacrifice in relation to the Bible, we're thinking about worship, and we're thinking about wholehearted, 100% giving ourselves uh, to Jesus and trusting him with the warts and all. In the Bible, the heart is not just an organ that pumps blood around the body. And that's quite an important function, so I'm not playing that down. Uh, We had a few people in our congregation just recently who've had some very near misses, and I think brought back to life because this wasn't pumping properly. The treatment uh, for what the Bible is talking about when the Bible talks about heart might be slightly different because uh, it's the center of our emotions, our feelings, our desires. In marketing, emotion is leveraged to help Um, an audience identify with and buy into a product. They might tap into emotions like anger and happiness and compassion and do a little story around it. And we all get suckered by this. We buy into the store and we buy into the products. And um, it's, uh, it's clever. God invented, created emotions, created them for good. He doesn't want us to be played He wants us uh, to focus our emotions, our heart's desires in the right place. The Bible regularly refers to the human heart. Jesus says, and I quote this all the time, there's a good reason for it, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. There are warnings too about the seat of our emotions. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. God wants us to be wholehearted in our desire to do his will. Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart 
that I might fear your name. Our Bible reading today uh, from 1 Timothy 2 reminds us that Paul, formerly known as Saul, passionately embraces God's desire for all people to be saved. He's particularly called to take this message to the Gentiles. But as you know, or many might know, this was not always so. Before God captures his heart and changed his purpose, he was passionately pursuing and persecuting Christians. Put simply, he was a murderer. He admits in one uh, Galatians 1.13, I was violently, he might not have actually done it, I was violently persecuting the church of God trying to destroy. That's quite an extreme purpose, isn't it? Galatians 1.14 hints that this was born out of a love, a zealous passion for the traditions of his ancestors that he was going to protect at all cost. Saul as was, Paul as is, was there at the death of Stephen. Acts 3 verse 1. A coat tender approving the people that chucked missiles that put him to death. He pursued and imprisoned men and women who followed Jesus and his teaching. Acts 8 3. Galatians 21 verse 23 reports a remarkable transformation of heart and mind. The man who was once persecuting the church is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Most of you will know that Saul, who became Paul, had a Damascus Road experience that changed his life purpose. He was blinded and heard a voice from Jesus saying, can you imagine this? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To persecute the church is to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ. After his encounter, his life was turned around. Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles. Nothing would stop him bringing the faith, the good news of the faith to the Gentiles. He faced hardship and persecution, ridicule, sword and death. I find this little bit interesting. I've never really thought about it before. But this didn't involve him finding a new God. His encounter with Jesus brought a revelation of the love of God, the God he thought he was serving, and awakened him to the truth and the character and the nature of the creator of all things and the judge of all men. Saul, now known as Paul, firstly had a revelation about who Jesus is. Why do you persecute me? Um, it could just ease, as easily be a question. I might ask this one. Um, why do you ignore, this is God speaking, my will for your life? 
What's the why question that Jesus is asking you this evening? Why do you do this and not do that? Why do you invest your time and money and energy in this and not in that? I'm not going to push this one too far. That's the Holy Spirit's job, but I'm just just helping him on his way. Anyway, second, encounter with the crucified, risen Jesus. Now, many of us, I'm not going to take a straw, probably it doesn't really matter whether you had a Damascus Road experience or were even aware of it, but it is quite important, this side of it, that we can declare with our mouth and know in our hearts and our minds that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm not too bothered. I'm not sure God's that bothered about how you get there, but it's good to get there. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but um, I think there's, um, there is obviously a, a moment for many of us. Maybe it's a little bit like a Damascus Road experience for some. But I think we're called to many such encounters in our lives where God... Um, confronts us in a loving way and gets us to refocus and to rededicate. I'm longing, because I'm going to need them, lots of mini conversion experiences in my life, in the life of the church. And I'm going back to Paul, and whilst he didn't know the God that he was serving, he was trying to serve the same God as we're serving. And sometimes we need just to be reminded of what that is, and that comes as a gift from God with revelation. An encounter. And thirdly, a call to preach to the Gentiles so they'd find salvation in Jesus. And I'd just ask us, you, what's your calling or your mini callings in living out your everyday faith as distinctive daily disciples of Jesus? As the passage from 1 Timothy 2 reminds us, God wants all people to be saved. And it's only possible as you know, through repentance and faith that comes from encountering Jesus who was crucified and raised to new life. Jesus' death, God's ransom payment for the sins of all people. A key verse which I read out earlier, 1 Timothy 2.7, underlines this. And for this purpose, Paul, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. He knew exactly, I think, he used a lot more than 4,000 characters, by the way, in order to express his passion. But I think we get the point. It's an invitation for all of us, isn't it, to align and allow our heart's desires to work with God, with what, with God and what's on God's heart. Jesus out of love, sorry, God out of love gave us Jesus on a cross Paul, out of love for Jesus, took the gospel message to the Gentiles so that they would be saved. We are called to make him and his purposes our first love, our heart's desire. He's the God who wants all people to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. Can any of us um, testify to our heart's desires and our motivation changing. And I hope there's a few of you that can, but it's sort of worth reflecting on this. 
My plea this evening is I pray that that historic event wouldn't be a once and for all event, that we dare to open ourselves to God doing that again in specific ways. And I put out the question, what do I have a passion for, a heart's desire to be and to do? It could be a cause or an issue, a task. It could be a calling to a particular people group or age group or a particular context. And some of these things will apply at different times in different stages of our lives. But I've just got, um, I've got a really long list here that I don't want to bore you with. So I'm not quite sure how to do it. But I think it's really, really important what you care about. So I want to try and do this in a slightly different way. Um, I know there's a few people who care desperately about creation care. And when the going gets tough, they still care about creation care. I know there's some of you that care passionately about worship. There's some of you that care passionately about young people. There's some of you, and I'm not looking anywhere in particular, I'm very grateful, love bringing order out of chaos. They might work in the parish office. I don't know, Martiana. There's some of you that bring wisdom and you come alive. There's some of you, I'm looking here, have a passion for mission and even been to Ukraine just recently. What is your passion? What is your heart's desire? My heart's desire, one of them, is to see people saved and come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes I wonder how I'm going about that because all I do is speak to Christians. What's your heart's desire? Is it to be with people? Is it to impart knowledge? Is it to learn for learning's sake or to be able to help others on their way? Do you care whether the next generation of young people are coming through as Christians? If you do, maybe working with young people is not a bad idea. At the very least, God might be calling you to pray for them. What's your heart's desire? For some of you, you've got a gift of compassion. You attempt to listen to people whose worlds are all over the place and in confusion. You've got, you've got that patience to be with people where there seems as though you're getting nothing back. What's your heart's desire? Now, I've chucked out loads of things. I've got a much longer list here. But what I want to say is amongst us, that's going to be different. But it is well worth working out what that is. But I think it starts with a focus on Jesus and making him our heart's desire and allowing him afresh to captivate our hearts. And I think that's going to help us. I'm listening very carefully outside in the storm because if Jesus captivates and captures our hearts come what may and it can be tough 
we are going to be secure. And flowing out of that, we're more likely to want to do his will. I've got some of you in small groups. There's four questions that you're going to have to grapple with if you're doing this study at the moment. Uh, the first is, what issues, cause, causes or beliefs do you care most about? And what I'd like to add to that, and you can put in your little notebook, where does God fit in? The second question, if you're in a small group doing this, is what activities, tasks, and roles do you most likely, uh, do you most likely uh, want to be involved with? And I'd like to add to that, where might your love for God and neighbor motivate you? The third question, who are the people you'd most like to help, serve, or work with. And some of this is going to be a natural fit, and you're going to be with people that give you life and energy. And for other people, you're going to need some extra grace. And finally, what place or context do you care about most? And I add, could this be something that God has placed on your heart? And if not, why are you doing it? I'm just going to leave a few moments now and then I'm going to read some scriptures. The band can come forward, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and um, I'm going to trust that God's going to do some heart surgery. Lord, we thank you that we can trust our hearts and our desires in, in your hands. And we've already done some confession earlier. But I just simply pray, Lord, that you would captivate our hearts. Lord, we don't want to sign up for a big quit. But Lord, we want to give permission that folks quit the things that they're not called to, but take up the things that they're shaped for. And I pray that you'd be doing a really big work in our church on this particular thing. I pray, Lord, that, um, that none of us out of fear or inadequacy would um, fail to pursue you and align ourselves with, our, with your heart's desire for us and our lives. Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He'll make you your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.